Do you wanna play a game? Do you like scary movies? Do you wanna eat some brains? Is your chainsaw arm groovy? How bloodthirsty could a talking plant be? Eat your liver with some fava beans and a nice candy. Come play with us forever, cause down here we all float. I never drink wine, so you're gonna need a bigger boat. Or a throat to choke, whether you're in the prim or dairy. Got red rum where your blood from, put your dead son in a cemetery. It's him or carry, be very afraid. You'll be our number one fan and get carried away. All working, no play, you know it always means you're in trouble, son. I came to chew gum and kick ass and I'm all out of bubble gum. What if Quint killed Jaws' his father? What if the Bob's body was marijuana? What if the leprechaun got a job as a bank guard? What if the Wolfman had a cowbell instead of Every NARS? Every scary movie made since Oscar Wilde was writing letters Had canon to watch them all and tell you how to make them better So put your earbuds in and forget what you're planning It's time to take our heads and shoot them out of a cannon 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 Welcome to Head Cannon. Tonight we have a very special show, a couple special guests, Mr. Charlie Lind, a gentleman we know, Brent and I both know from Comedy Sports Indianapolis from back in the day. Uh, he's been a guest before on our on our previous podcast, Danger Explosion. And then uh, the director of the film we're talking about, Charlie, stars in the film. And uh, the director, Mr. Tim Connery. How are you, gentlemen, doing this evening? I'm great. I... Go ahead, Tim. No, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I think we're both doing really, really good. Uh, considering the movie, uh, you know, uh, just just dropped, you know, very freshly, uh, and you know, me and Charlie have been going back and forth on text, uh, sharing the the good reviews and the bad reviews, um, <laughs> and all that good stuff. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm doing great. Nice. Excellent. Congratulations on your movie. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, it's a long time coming. I mean, we, we shot it in 2017, and then... Um, oh, wow. The, yeah, and then, like, we were about... I felt like we were about to release it in, like, February of 2020, and, like, COVID kind of, like... I felt like COVID definitely played a hand in, in it not being released sooner. Right. But here we are. Right, yeah, COVID yeah, fucked I mean, with everything for everybody. Yeah, it it, it definitely uh, sidelined it for a while. It sidelined a lot of things for a while. You know, I think I think uh, a lot of releases that potentially weren't going to VOD right away got kind of like rushed to the head of head of the pack because VOD was such a you know in such demand. Mm -hmm. um, you know, after after the first couple lockdowns and shit. So, uh, yeah, it's. Thank God it's finally out, you know, four years later, four and a half years later after we shot it, so. Just in time for this next lockdown. <laughs> yeah, right? You should just, you should, you should like re-edit it and recut it for every different variant and just, and you know, so this, this version is like the Omicron cut, you know, and then the next one will be like, you know, whatever, the Fair Omega nice, cut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice, but so, so the movie we're talking about is Death to Metal, 2021's Death to Metal, and did this come out? It's yesterday for us, I think today, but so it was twelve seven. Was that when it was released? Yeah, December seventh. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Excellent. And so I'm curious. So what? 
because I know it's released through pretty much every platform, right? Like Amazon, Google Play, like pretty much anywhere you can demand video, you can get this movie, right? Yeah, it's out on um, it's out on Vubiquity. It's out on um, uh, Voodoo. It's out on <laughs> FiOS by Verizon. Yeah, all the big hitters there, <laughs> and then uh, obviously you have Amazon and and um, and YouTube. Those are the big ones. Google Play, Xbox, pretty much anywhere you can rent or buy iTunes. a movie, mm-hmm. uh, it's yeah. there. It looks like we got snubbed by uh, Play- PlayStation Network for some reason. I don't know why. We got Xbox, so <laughs> <laughs> right. That's what's what, going on there. That's what matters. They, they might have not liked the the beginning, you know. <laughs> it's yes. like conflicting with death to smoochie that they're trying to push on people yeah yeah I, they are always pushing death to smoochie on every time i come on there's like a new sale for a death to smoochie yeah <laughs> so well charlie we like i said we kind of know you from comedy sports and and uh you're out you're out in la and we talked to you what was it a few months ago six months ago eight months ago yeah ten months yeah, ago yeah yeah it, it was a little bit ago yeah. yeah so what have you been up to since then did you ever Nothing. i had a i had a short that was released uh that was premiered at the um chinese theater and and a uh, baby and i had a baby well we already knew that i had a baby by then and <laughs> oh okay. um that's right 14 i'm coaching wrestling right now which is interesting and uh, so i'm doing a lot of that and i've been getting more and more auditions which is kind of good which great actually. And then, um, that's about it. Just like still, still doing my best to be a part of, to stay in the game, doing my best to stay in the game. Nice. Well, and that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome. Cause that's something, uh, you know, I haven't stepped foot on a stage since COVID hit like two years ago. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And then Tim, I'm kind of curious just for everybody listening, Brent and I just met Tim like five minutes ago. So yeah, so I'm, I'm curious, what's what's your background? How did you get into this? You know, because I know you've directed uh, at least a couple other things. So yeah, I'm just curious kind of what your background is and what your experience is with all this. Yeah, I'll try to I'll try to tee it all up here without being too long-winded. Um, so, you know, uh, I graduated from film school at Columbia College uh, in Chicago uh, back in 2009. I mm-hmm. uh, did a number of shorts around that time. And then uh, I'm from eastern Iowa, so Dubuque, Dubuque, Iowa, right on the, the map uh, where Iowa, Wisconsin, Illinois converge on the Mississippi River. That's that's kind of my, my turf, my hometown. Mm-hmm. And right after film school, they kept kind of pounding it in our head that no one's going to take you seriously until you make a feature. you got to make a feature. So me and uh, some people that I, I knew from, from, from film school kind of scrapped together some resources and uh, moved back to Dubuque temporarily to do uh, that first feature, which is called Black Web. It's on uh, Amazon Prime for free with ads. It's been up there for a minute, uh, distributed through Gravitas Ventures. And uh, after that, I didn't really know what the hell to do with myself. <laughs> uh, so I was like, well, that didn't make me any money. <laughs> so uh, I got to figure out a way to you know, either make some money shooting, shooting videos and doing videos or, uh, you know, find a new, a whole new career. Um, fortunately I kind of found a little niche in, in Eastern Iowa producing commercial and corporate videos, uh, kind of like a higher end take on it because, you know, back then when I was kind of entering, uh, the, the workforce out here, it was just like your standard, like 
you know, local TV spots, your car dealerships, you know, shouting at the, the, the TVs or shouting at the camera and nothing, <laughs> nothing too special. So, I'm, I'm Gary Bim Bam and I got 72 yeah. cars all stocked up, I mean, ready to roll. I mean, th- those are pretty, pretty fucking cool too, but, uh, not, you know, I just brought something else to the table, you know? Um, so, so I, I, uh, a, a guy that does does a bunch of work and marketing stuff for for a, a bigger company here. He saw that film uh, at a film festival here locally, and he was like, "Hey, can you can you do something like that for us? Something higher end, something that looks good." So I brought basically the crew of that first feature back here to to, to do the uh, a, a campaign for them. And you know, fast forward three four years, and uh, business is doing pretty good. Uh, you know, we're, we're at least staying afloat. We're being able to pay ourselves and, and, you know, we're kind of chunking through it. And then, uh, you know, I had this idea for, for a follow-up to black web that was just completely 180, uh, because on the festival circuit for, for that film, if you, if you watch the two films, you know, back to back, you'd think that, uh, a two different people made these movies and B that these two different people hate each other because they're completely different, you know, <laughs> movies. One's, you know, serious is a heart attack uh, drama with a sci-fi twist. And, and, you know, the other one's death metal, which doesn't take itself too seriously. It's very, you know, it's, you know, almost required that you're, you're playing the drinking, the drinking game when you're watching it. So, uh, but I know I wanted to make, you know, death metal. We had that, uh, we were writing that over a course of me and the co-writer Kevin Copas from like 2012 uh, up through like a couple of weeks when we when we started principal photography. We were we were working on that script and uh, just wanted to have a lot of fun making it. And you know, I feel like uh, you know that's that's kind of the story up until you know shooting the movie. So uh, doing a lot of the same kind of stuff now, uh, commercial and corporate videos. Uh, as the main job, and and uh, I'm I'm chipping away on on the third feature right now. So nice. Well, and that's and so was this done? Is it kind of the same? So when you're doing commercials and stuff like that in Iowa, is it the same company, kind of the same umbrella uh, that you use to produce this feature film, or are they kind of separate ventures? They got to be separate mm-hmm. um, for just like legal reasons, right? Uh, so. The, the the good rule of thumb is you you tend to want to start like and that's why you, you know you see especially on like indie films you see like 14 production company like logos you know ahead of you know you're in the theater and you're like Jesus Christ like how many people you know had their hand in this and it's because each each person that put, put a significant amount of money into it uh, wanted you know liability basically kind of vacuumed into a limited liability company so yeah. that you know if something were happen, uh, you know, in the process where the film got sued, you wouldn't be personally liable or right. your business wouldn't be personally liable. So you, every time you make a new movie, you want to, you know, form a new limited liability company just for that movie. But oh, okay. that makes Dream, Dreamcatcher Productions, which is, you know, the, the commercial and corporate, always has a stake in these films. Mm-hmm. So, nice. so it's it's tricky. That's interesting. And then, and then so once you have a, uh, you know, you've got your movie and you've got it ready to go, is that do you go out to distributors who then they pass it on to you know the Amazon and I imagine they probably have the the mechanisms already in place to kind of shoot that out to Amazon and the other streaming services is that is that kind of how that works I'm just curious yeah that's the idea that's you know uh, after we did a couple 
uh, bigger uh, film festivals for this. Uh, I basically just kind of acted as my own sales agent. I mean, you can you can hire a sales agent who will take you know the old school way with a movie like this is you hire a sales agent. Uh, they would help you out with assets, whether it's a poster, trailer, and that kind of stuff. And they would take it to a film market. Mm-hmm. And they usually have these film markets. Like there's one in Los Angeles, AFM. American film market and then they have you know film markets at some of the bigger film festivals like Berlin and uh, Tribeca and you know there's there's a, a film market component that's the old school way of doing it uh, I just I just you know basically looked up films that were similar uh, in scope and uh, uh, genre of death to metal and I just saw who distributed them and I just cold emailed them or cold called them and sent sent them the trailer and the posters and all that crap that we that we kind of put together and you know we got uh, I think it was three offers total and just nice. you know picked the one that seemed like had the best resources and was the best best fit to release it which was uh, Wild Eye. Awesome. Well, and I'm curious um, where kind of the idea for this movie came from because it, it's very much in the vein of you know I kind of saw it as a you know part of the trajectory of like. Evil Dead, Reanimator, Dead Alive, like that kind of just like gleeful, fun, you know, campy, yeah. gory kind of DNA. These are my favorite type of horror movies. Yeah. <laughs> the one, is the one you made. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Oh, thanks. <laughs> and he, he's not just uh, saying that. It's a real thing. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's 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 a love for just, you know, a good blend of comedy and horror. You know, I, I was growing up, uh, I loved all sorts of different horror films, but I was, I was drawn to uh, the ones, the, the horror films that had a, a comedy backbone to them, you know, like the later Friday the 13th movies, or mm-hmm. it seems like as these franchises, especially the franchises that started in like the 80s, like got, like went on, they got more comedic undertones <laughs> and kind of embraced the silliness. Right. I don't know if it's because the producers were just doing more and more coke or, or what, <laughs> you know, what, what the scoop was, right. but or, or, uh, they just got they... more, more ridiculous. Yeah, or if, if they just if they're just destined to become parodies of themselves at some point, you know, if you can. Right. <laughs> it's like, who, what else? What else do we have to say? Like, we right. might as well, you know, uh, turn Jason into Frankenstein and have him <laughs> go toe to toe with some paintballers, like whatever, you know. Right. Uh, <laughs> let's it. have the girl have telekinesis. <laughs> one of one of the things I thought was really cool when I first like saw the script and like Tim was kind of like. Uh, kind of like throwing me the script is that I feel like Tim and I have like talked about Tyler Perry before in like the Medea movies where like Tyler Perry knows his audience mm-hmm. and I'm like this movie has an audience that yeah. isn't being tended to right now and like it would be cool to make a movie that if the right audience gets a hold of it i.e. like the metal horror community it's going to i mean there's like literally there's literally like three metal horror movies <laughs> out there like, right yeah that's it. Uh, yeah and fans fans of the genre are just watching like mandy on repeat that's <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> mandy or deathgasm yeah 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 deathgasm, yeah, <laughs> yeah you, i mean that's a that's a good point uh charlie it's like you know going back to that first feature I had such a hard time, like, you know, A, getting it distributed and B, like, kind of explaining what it was because, you know, I just just completely, like, out of film school just wrote, like, whatever I wanted to write and then we shot it and then it was done. Not to say, you know, I mean, it, you know, it's flawed for sure, but uh, I had a hard time really knowing 
and didn't really think about what the audience of that film was so that like the next time around I was like, you know, I know an audience really well because the audience is me, like people (laughs) who love metal and people who love like frivolous horror films that you can just like crack open, you know, a 12 pack of beer with your buddies and just like, it's on the background on a Saturday night and you know, you're joking throughout it and just having a good time. Right. Uh, so and it, it, se- it seems like our inclination uh, on that audience is, is kind of, you know, paying off and in the reviews and the people I've been talking through doing like the press and stuff leading up to the release. Like, you know, a lot of the people that are that are metalheads or horror lovers and, and the few people that are that are both like they totally get it. And yeah. it, like you said, Charlie, like they, you know, they're hungry for this, this, this kind of these kind of films uh, because yeah, it's just it's just a, a segment that you know isn't really attended too much. Yeah, Tim, I have a question for you and, and uh, Corey and Brent. Sorry, to just take over your no, position. no, it's all yours. But, um, <laughs> do you feel like like you needed that first film to like kind of knock it out of the way? I mean, it's one of those things where it's like you're one of the only people I know that like make movies legitimately make them. Even like living in Los Angeles, I don't know. So I met one dude through through this last film festival that like I saw his movie and I was like, oh my god, I want to be in his movies, um, and he just just he just cranks them out and it's just like it's one of those things where it's like they're all interesting um and and i don't think he likes me very much so it's not gonna happen but um (laughs) but i'm like damn this dude makes movies that's sick um so it's like it's to me it's like did you need that first one to kind of like i wouldn't say like first pancake but it's like you make that first pancake and it's like a little abnormal and you're like okay okay so now i know now i know what i'm yeah, doing here a little more and then by the third yeah i'm sure like by your movies now you're just like your features now you're just gonna be like oh yeah let's do it let's yeah. do this toss them in the pan no problem yeah and you know yes obviously you know i mean um i think the biggest thing with getting that that first pancake on on the uh, you know on the fryer and done and like looking at it is is it's just it's so much work to make you know a movie and it's a lot of work to make a feature and you know i think after that you know even though the the, the experience wasn't completely like 100 percent like a gratifying and and b you know like it's it was kind of a money pit right that that first feature I still was so hungry to do it again. You know, I wanted to do something different, obviously. Uh, but like, I just knew like, yeah, this is absolutely what I want to fucking do. Right. As I want to make movies. Um, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to, to make them. You just have to have like the, you know, the people that, that make movies and aren't like a already plugged into the system or be just like rich. Or no, like, you know, a rich sugar daddy or something. Right. (laughs) Um, Like, they just have to have an appetite to just figure it out, right? Um, Because there's so many, like, this is a very, like, triumphant moment in the process. But there's so many moments that are such a drag. And they they test you and they try you. Um, Even for, like, such a fun movie like this. Like, there there was moments, even after the movie was done, right? And we had had our festival stuff where I was just, like, bummed out. And I'm like, when is this thing going to come out? You know, there's there's so many, uh, you know, stages to it before it gets over the finish line. And uh, I just know, I mean, like, 
you know, to answer your question, that, that first feature just informed me, like, you know, this is what I want to be doing, and this is where I want to be doing it, you know? Mm -hmm. So. Nice. Well, it's, I'm interesting, it's interesting you say that because I, um, I was, like, watching um, the movie Zola. Have you heard of Zola? Oh, is, is, uh, that, is that about the, like, a true-ish story of the, it was, like, yeah, a, it's like a, a Twitter, Twitter story. It's, like, based on the Twitter story. Yeah, I've, I've read about, the like, Twitter like, a stripper thread. going to Florida or something like that. And, yeah. like, there's an actress in there, and I'm like, oh, man, she's, this girl's great. She's, like, killing it. She's, like, coming from nothing or whatever. And she's kind of, like, rough around the edges. And then I, like, look her up, and I'm like, oh, you're Elvis Presley's granddaughter. That's <laughs> great. Right, yeah. <laughs> Who, Riley Keel or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like I feel like that happens all the time with like musicians and actors. I'm like, oh, who's you know who's this person? Where do they come from? And you look it up, and like 75, 80 percent of the time, it's like, oh, their family's been in the business for decades, you know? Yeah, yeah. Or you like you, like it's like uh, recently licorice pizza, and you're like, oh, new faces, and then you're like, no, not new faces. <laughs> not, right. Technically, not new faces right. at all. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> There's a lot of cronyism going on, and then obviously, you know, and people that are already plugged in, they just have access to money, you yeah. know, and they know that their name, you know, even if they're trying to, like, push their name, like, under the rug, uh, where people, it's not, like, completely evident, they, they know people are going to sniff that out, like, like uh, what's his name, uh, uh, Duncan, uh, Duncan Jones, you know, like, he was really adamant, I think, about keeping you know, his dad, like, out of the marketing of, of Moon, but everyone fucking knew, like, right. after, like, <laughs> right. you know, a year a year or so, like, it's, it's David Bowie's kid, so. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's, and even, yeah, and, and the money, but also, I think, maybe even more than that, or at least, and this is just from total outsider's perspective, just the connections, I feel like, just knowing people who know how things work and know how, and so there's not that guesswork, you know, like, you know where to go, you know who to talk to, you know how the machinery works, you know. But I'm curious, how did you get, how did you two get hooked up? Because you're, so you're based in Iowa. Where Did you film this in LA or, or how did you guys end up, yeah, how did, how did this all end up coalescing? Do you want to tell the story, Charlie, about the, I think the first time we met, do you recall what that, that Oh yeah, like? I do. So I, it's, it's um, relevant, right? <laughs> I think so, yeah. So, um, so my wife and uh, Tim, went to college together at uh at columbia college in chicago and by the way the film the film was filmed in dubuque iowa oh really um, okay. yeah yeah okay. it was filmed in dubuque and around dubuque was that and, so I'm, uh, I'm sorry to jump in so was that record shop were these places you were like in, intimately familiar with tim were these like places you frequented uh to a, to a certain extent yeah like i knew the guys from uh, the record shops called cds for change and um my there's a, there's like a competing record store in town called moondog music that i used to go to more as a, as a kid but cds for change just had a better look to it so mm -hmm. i ended up which is funny because it's kind of changed Sorry. now because moondog moondog's got kind of an older guy that's kind of running the show and now both of those places are just you know vinyl mm -hmm. um and the buyer at Seas for Change, now I'm only going, you know, because Moondog used to have the better better metal CDs, you know, but now Seas <laughs> for Change has got more of a, a better variety of vinyl. Anywho. And yeah, it so, reminds uh, me of the record stores that I grew up going to in Bloom. Corey and I were both from Bloomington, Indiana, mm -hmm. where like the IU campuses. And there's a, a famous one there called Trax, yeah. which is pretty similar to that, to the one that you showed. And then there was another one across the street 
You remember, Corey? It was one where you kind of like went down some Downstairs. steps. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember the name of it. But like, it was like, it was there was like not much. There was definitely rhyme and reason to the to the order of the whole place, but it was just like stacks of things. Mm-hmm. And, and it yeah. was, I went. I, I would go to a place on like Shelby and Madison called Second Chance CDs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it was like, yeah. But uh, uh so. <laughs> Okay. So Lara, Lara, my wife, uh, was like, this is my good friend from college. He's coming in town. He is performing um, with his band Nether Void, uh, this, this like metal show. And Tim is the lead singer of it. And so I kind of knew like, t- I knew Tim because I was like, obviously there's like that whole like, oh, you went to college with him great you guys used to hook up that's cool you know type of situation um uh i think that that never happened she said you guys kissed okay she said you guys kissed yeah like i mean i mean who who hasn't kissed tim though i mean we just met five minutes ago and already you know true yeah i'm not mad i've never been mad about Kissed in the past, not big deal to me. But uh, he so, positioned the camera to show the crib. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. But uh, but so I go. We go to uh, Reggie's, right? Reggie's in and uh, just south of uh, the Loop, South Loop, Chicago, to mm-hmm. go see Nether Void, and we're like hanging out and drinking like uh, PBRs in the in the ba- backstage. I'm getting, I got hammered drunk, but I got to see. Uh, you know, Tim, like, just where, where Tim, you know, like, you meet him on a regular day, and you're like, this guy does not, is not like a lead singer of a metal band. But then, like, you know, you're like watching him on stage, and he's like burning a Bible, and he's like, <laughs> you know, you know and he's say, like coming I... from this Catholic <laughs> school. Like, he went, he grew up in Catholic school. So, like, I believe I grew we had Catholic had some, some sort of sheep's heads or something, didn't we? Or pig's heads or something? There was some fucked up shit going <laughs> yeah. on that stage, but I was like hammer drunk. That was like one of those nights where I was just like talking out of my ass, like hammer. And uh, it was just like an interesting time. But, uh, uh, you know, we came out again when we moved out to LA. We came out and, and saw Tim. And um, we've, we've always just kind of like got along, just like easily got along and easy to easy to get along with easy to talk to um when i moved to la my roommate was uh the cinematographer of the of the film so it was kind of like everything kind of like played on it uh, played on itself and it was almost like when i auditioned for the film i didn't ask for a part i just asked to audition and and um really really worked hard to put a put something in and and honestly like looking back now i i think about that audition i'm like wow i'm a much better actor now but i'm really <laughs> glad tim took a chance on me then uh to have me in the in the film but it, it was it was really cool to um yeah it, i never expected to be in the film but i did i was really glad to have the opportunity to audition for it because i really loved the script i just thought was i thought it was like it just fit fit in really well with what i with things I wanted to do in my career as an actor. Yeah. Where does a cast stay in Iowa while you're filming? Well, uh, yeah. So, so back, back then, uh, we were on a pretty tight budget. I mean, but there's like, I'm not like in the fucking sticks, you know, like there's like hotels and (laughs) shit, but (laughs) I think I made, I made Charlie, 
Charlie and like the sound, a couple of the sound guys. I mean, like they were in essentially what you'd consider an Airbnb. Um, but it was actually like I had just moved and had an additional month's rent on a place, and uh, so it was like empty. And the AC. Like, kind of... I, li- I, I lived with the okay. AC, the yeah. sound mixer, and the and the boom operator. And um, really interesting, the boom operator. He um, he like purchased a Casper mattress because there's like a 90 day return policy <laughs> and a Casper mattress on the ground. And then like nice. when he left, he just like threw it on the porch and like made Casper come bring it, pick it up. It was that's, like so smart of him that's brilliant. to yeah. do that. But yeah, it's, yeah, we, we lived in this house. It was, it was kind of cool. Yeah. Think things have gotten better, Charlie. So. <laughs> Great. We'll get, we'll, get you out here for, we'll get you out here for another one, and and we'll put you up at the hotel, Julian. I got a good rate. I know I know more people now. You know, it's I'm doing that LA cronyism, but out here it just takes more time, and yeah. things are a little more around the edges. But it's still all about who you fucking know, you know. Right. But my sister came in town. You you had her stay at because my um my the kid who plays my son hmm. in the film is actually my nephew. Oh, okay. Oh, cool. Okay, nice. And awesome. I kind of pitched, I kind of pitched my nephew to Tim because he was kind of having trouble. I, th- I think you were having trouble finding people. And I said, "Hey, my nephew can name every single president." Yeah, I do. Call that. We kind of just went off of that. We kind of just went off like him just knowing like every single president. So I'm like, he can memorize lines. Yeah, that's more than but what I can ran do. Into, we were into some issues with that. I'd, I'd like to talk about that at some point. Sure. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, no, they, it's such a big cast of characters, you know, we, you know, we cast that the main, you know, group, you know, Charlie, um, Alex, uh, Grace, uh, Dan, and, and Andrew, um, you know, very seriously, and we vetted them very seriously, and then, it, and, you know, there's like 20 other characters that are like in the scripts, like, you know, either with lines or get killed or whatever, so, you know, we had a lot of roles to fill. So, so yeah, it was, it was definitely a challenge, you know, and, um, is, it was G- Jimmy, right? Jimmy. Yeah. 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 Jimmy. Yeah. No, that was, I mean, obviously, and, and, you know, trying to find, you know, child actors and, and, you know, especially, especially, you know, parents have to be involved legally, you know, they gotta be on set and, and they gotta be cool with what's going on. So when, yeah. when you said that, and I had spent some time with Charlie's family, out at the, a couple Indy 500s, um, which you you glossed over, Charlie. That's a big oh, part. Oh yeah, of we did. We, we yeah, that's right. <laughs> we yeah, we yeah. got three Indy 500s together. That's so right. Wow. That's right. Yeah. Uh, turn turn. <laughs> Where what, he turn stayed three? in my uh, backyard. Yeah. Turn three of the snake pit. <laughs> yeah. Completely. That's so, that's all. When, when I when I when I knew uh, you know it was uh, part of the family, I was like, okay, well they're going to be cool with. You know, mutated killer priest, mayhem, whatever. You know, so like, let yeah, he's he's hired. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. nice. And Jimmy, a support kid, like it's like he spent half of his life right now with a film coming out because he's like ten now, and he was five when we shot it. And oh. so he's like been for five years. He's been like telling kids at school that he's in this film. It's like half his and life. Like, kids are like, yeah, well, show us it, you little nerd. You know? Oh man, I, I, he's I, like, no, it's a real movie. I promise. You know. I I hope he just went to school today and like pulled it up on his phone or whatever. It was like, suck it, motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, unfortunately, 
butcher is an army brat, and he's like moved, so there's like just like trail of lies, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. So all different the, areas of Texas. Yeah. So all the kids he goes to school with now are like, yeah, okay, sure, we just met yeah. you, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like he got to like beat out of him to just like never talk about the movie, but now that it's out, he's like, oh, you want to see me in a movie? There's titties. <laughs> Probably not like he's 10, so. Right. <laughs> Oh man, that's hilarious. Well, I do want to. I do want to kind of get into the movie and some of the specifics Let's get of the it. Movie. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Which, which it, it it was a fuck ton of fun, man. I really enjoyed it. It was because uh, you know I, I wasn't sure what to expect. You know, I know Charlie. I know he's a good dude, and you know, but you never know. Like, if it's something your friends like, I'm in. You're like, okay, I don't know what's the quality gonna be like, but it was a, it was a blast, man. It was so much fun. It was so well done. It looked great. Yeah. Um, Charlie's been telling us for like five years that he's been in a movie, and we were we, like, "Yeah, we didn't believe him." Yeah, you are, Charlie. Yeah, full of shit. What is Dubuque? It's a, I can't even see it on a map. It's, it's not a real place. <laughs> oh, but but no. So there's a so yeah. Right at the beginning of the movie, like you kind of set the tone. You've got the "fuck your god" song playing, and then immediately they just like throw this kid's book like throw his bible down the guy whips his little dick out which i have to is this okay was, spoiler alert spoiler alert is that is that a, was that a prosthetic or is that an actual actual do you want, do you want to know do you really want to know you do you want the, the charlie played two roles you know i i thought i did until you asked that question now i don't know if i do honestly i showed a rough cut to my brother like Man, like five months after, like around Christmas, and he was like the first one to see a rough cut other than the editor. And uh, he asked me that same question. Like, that was the first thing he said after the film like, wrapped. Like, he didn't bring it up, at, you know, during. Right. Like, the, the, the credits rolled, and he was like, Is that a real dick? <laughs> and I, I asked him the same question. I was like, Do you really want to know? And he's like, I guess I don't. And then that was, you know, when we got into some of the other stuff. So. Yeah, you know, we'll we'll leave it to the audience's imagination then. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but I like so then we meet the preacher Kilborn, and I like how he's talking about sin, and specifically he mentions like low rise jeans, pizza buffets, <laughs> condom giveaways. <laughs> he's naming all this ridiculous shit, um, which I thought was hilarious. And I don't know, dude, kind of gave me like Herbert West in the Reanimator vibes a little bit. Did you did you feel that at all, Brett? Yeah, I was going to mention that, yeah, I got reanimator vibes in all of this. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> it's cool. Not all of it, but just like this guy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, his presence was was definitely reminiscent of that. But then I like the line, what's the main character's name? Is it Zeke or Zane? Zane, Zane, Zane. Zane. I love, uh, I also really like the line where he, he goes to meet, like when his girlfriend breaks up with him, and she's like, what's up? And he's like, nothing, everything is down. <laughs> Yeah. Just so, he's so, he's supposed to be kind of a dweeb, you know. Like you know, you got to give him an arc, right? You got to give him a story arc. Right. <laughs> well, and and, a, and there was one point where you know, because you sympathize with this character, he gets kicked out of his band. He his girlfriend leaves him, but then like, you know, there was a point like around the middle of the movie, I was like, I was like, well, I, all I know that it, all I know about this guy really is everyone's rejecting him. I was like, maybe he sucks. Like maybe he like maybe he is just a, an asshole. <laughs> There's supposed to be, you know, there's supposed to be a lot of parallels, you know, uh, between, you know, I'm not trying to make this like crazy, me and Kevin weren't trying to make this crazy statement, but, you know, there's obvious parallels between, uh, you know, Father Milton getting kicked out of, uh, you know, the 
the the community that he he feels you know is is the, the most important thing in his life Zane gets gets kicked out of you know the community that he feels you know they both get ostracized and they both handle it in different ways mm-hmm. um so there's a, there's a lot of like duality and parallels between like you know the religious community and and you know the metal community kind of treating metal and treating you know it all as as kind of like you know uh, a religion you know right. so to speak so that's really it's just like two you know divergent stories that converge you know essentially in the third act that are that are very similar and just happen to kind of you know evolve in different ways all right and kind because of, of their decisions nice i dig that yeah um and then also, uh, Charlie, when your character came in, and you you had such a fun character too. Like, I, and again, I didn't know how big your role would be in this, but you ended up. You might have honestly had my favorite char- character in the movie. I mean, it was just a like just Thanks, this. Man. I, yeah. And it's just this guy like taking care of his son, and he calls him like Dark Lord Danny, and you, you're like, yeah, the doctor replaced mommy's heart with a septic tank, and. Uh, <laughs> Just fucking everything, man. It was so. It was your so funny. Your intro, because I was watching the movie, because you're the only person I've ever known to be in a movie. You know, <laughs> it's like it's awesome. Oh, I was just waiting for you, yeah. and then like, there's this person with this like mullet, like showed to the camera, and I'm just <laughs> like, okay. Mullet. And then you hear your hair. voice, whatever. You know, the longer hair. Yeah, yeah. And I hear the voice. I'm like, I know that voice. Oh, that's is that true? And then you, you have this like amazing turnaround where you turn to the camera and shit, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really cool because when when I first <laughs> when when it first premiered in in uh, Iowa theater and I went to go see it, um, I brought my cousin from Milwaukee and like that scene had happened and then I like showed up at a different scene and she was like, "Wait a second, that's you!" And I'm like, "Yeah, what? Did you not notice that that was me?" But yeah, it was really interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, what was the qu- was there a question? <laughs> <laughs> I think we're just like, hey, it's cool to see you in cool a cool fucking scene. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. It's a really cool entrance uh, in an intro, and it was, um, and it, it, yeah, it was, it was fun to. I thought my intro was really cool, and um, yeah, obviously, it kind of sets the tone for who I am in the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or who Ryan Rammer is. Ryan Rammer. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, just too busy. Can't deal with anybody's bullshit. Yeah, you got you've got so much on your plate. Yeah, <laughs> but still loves his kid. Still, yeah, loves my you kid. Know. Yeah, oh, yeah. Absolutely. yeah, loves the kid. <laughs> and then I just and I, thought, I, I thought the lie. I thought I, I really loved that scene, seeing it done because you know, like you you play you play a a scene in your head a million times, and even after even after like filming. I still play the scene in my brain um, just because it's like one of those things where it's like, what, what choices could I make <laughs> or whatever. And, and uh, it, the whole, like even it was a, it was super long monologue in the, in um, originally, and it ended up getting cut down, I think a little bit, but um, I, I don't, should I not say that Tim? No, I don't okay. give a shit. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it was all me. It was all me. It's, there's a reason it was cut down because I feel like I, I went maybe a little too slow on it. But uh, it, it turned out uh, Mike Mike Zach did a really good job like cutting it down to make it seem – I mean he made me look a lot better than maybe the, the my acting ability at that time or what, what I was putting out. So, yeah, it was fun. Good. It's a job of a good editor, yeah, I guess. <laughs> job of a great editor. Really good editor. 
yep. really happy with his editing abilities. <laughs> <laughs> well, then... It's tough though. I, I, I you know, um, I just love you know long, long takes. I love doing a master shot if I can. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not like super into you know chopping everything up a million ways and and you know. 24 style editing you know i so it was on a lot of these scenes you know minus like the i guess like the action and like the third act they play out in a master you know and i think that scene in in particular charlie you're talking about was like just a slow dolly and you did the whole the whole damn scene right you know which is yeah you know, it seems like it should be like a, a usual practice, but anymore, I mean, like sometimes people are just cheating lines here and there and, you know. Yeah. 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 And it was really fun. Like it was, I mean, you, I kind of do that turn around and you see me and it's like, you immediately are like, this dude's interesting. <laughs> you know, like I have this like crazy look in my eye uh, uh, and, and it's so funny because I look at that person and, 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 and oh, it was like one of these things where I'm at the premiere of the film and I'm like fishing for compliments at the end of the movie. And like, because of the way I look now, no one, like no one came up to me. It was like, great job in the film or whatever. <laughs> like they just didn't think I was in like, they, right. yeah. they were like th- whoever this Ryan Renner was, he's here. He's been gone. He's not around because I met literally like maybe five people in the cast. Like, Mm-hmm. Because I uh, because of uh, t- time constraints and 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 budget constraints, I came and filmed for like thirteen days, and ten of the days I think I was working, and I um, and I just like said a lot of the times I said my lines to Tim, Tim and the producer Sam, and um, and maybe like another person reading the lines to me. Right. So I'm like acting to nobody in some of these uh, some of these scenes, um, just because of timing and and and, and uh, budget constraints. So it was really interesting to to have to do that and um, kind of know where I needed to be or like what I needed to do. It was it was cool. Well, so I'm 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 kind of curious about some of the the next sequences because you kind of get a lot of, uh, you know, this is about the time where Father Kilborn transforms into this monstrous figure and then you also get this cool like little animation segment that like yes. when you're talking about nicaragua back in the 1970s so i'm curious about father kilborn's design and kind of where that came from and also the inspiration for this animation sequence are you an animator or i assume somebody working with you was was an animator and was able to create that cool sequence yeah so a uh, couple things so uh kilborn's design came from a company out of L.A. called Immortal Mass. And the guy that played, uh, transformed Father, uh, Father Kilborn, uh, Trent Johnson, he suggested them. He's he's in the haunt industry. He's got a big haunt in, uh, called Dark Chambers in eastern Iowa, which, you know, haunted attraction. You, just, you go in, you know, in September, October, and, mm-hmm. you know, they, they do their thing. So he, he knew the company did some great silicone work, and, Uh, We just got like a generic mutant-like variant of theirs and did some kind of weathering to it and painting and uh, kind of did our own own thing to it. And then obviously had had the robes and and that kind of stuff tailored. The the animation, I'm glad you asked. I've done a lot like podcasts and radio interviews and all sorts of things, and no one's asked me about this. Uh, So 
Really? That's okay. Yeah, so that that sequence, it's been coming up in reviews because pe- people are saying it's cool, and I agree, yeah. it's awesome. Um, that sequence at the first the first test screening or private screening that we had uh, back in like October 2018, it just dragged for me, um, and I felt it dragging like when you, you know the audience was in there. I mean, it's a compelling monologue, but it just it needed something to like send it home because it's, a, it's such a big moment, right? Like Father Brennan is trying to appeal to, you know, Milton's better senses and, and basically, you know, kind of show him that, you know, fire and brimstone revenge isn't part of God's plan, right? He, yeah. he completely, Milton takes the completely wrong, you know, <laughs> uh, take from, from yeah. the story, like a lot of people do with the Bible. But, uh, yeah, so what we did is I actually had someone uh, create kind of like cover art-esque images uh, and they were separate from the animator. The animator that did it, and I don't know his name off the top of my head. I should know it, but uh, it would be in the credits. He did these animation sequences for Queens of the Stone Age okay. uh, when they came oh. out with their uh, their 2009 record, which I love, and I can't think of the name of that right now either. <laughs> uh, but it's their two, it's their two, I know it's their 2009 record, which is weird to know. But so so. So he, he did, I remember seeing that and he like animated all these different stuff in, in the booklet of the album. And I was like, that's really cool. Like, I wonder if he could do something similar if of this existing art that I already had created for, for the film. And he did, um, and he did an amazing job. Like he cut out the pieces and did all the stuff and we sound designed it. And it just, it just really, it basically like the whole idea behind that scene is it's, you know, Elevating the scene, obviously, adding a little production value, telling the story in a more effective way. And then also, you know, it's it's basically like metal cover art come to life. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah. Which, yeah. you know, the same artist that, that drew this stuff, uh, not not the guy that animated it, did the same art for the Grammy Incinerator lyric video at the end of, of cool. the it's really interesting because I was like I was like looking for Tim for a, a person to animate um, out here in LA, and I like was in talks with people um, uh, that like I knew people that I know people that, like that work on BoJack Horseman and things like that. So I was like talking to that kind of company that does all of those because because they all kind of seem similar. And man, it is expensive, and an animator <laughs> is very expensive, and so. I think uh, whoever Tim chose like was like perfect for it. like they did a good job just like kind of the best of both worlds um, and it, it turned out really well. I really like that scene. I like I like it's great because I saw how it started and how it finished. And it's like such a better scene now with the animation. I think it was a, a nice little add to the film. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Well, and I'm uh, curious about all of the band names, like Grandma, Grandma Incinerator, and um, are these like are are all the names of the bands? Are these names like you've considered for for metal bands, or are these actual like local bands in the Iowa area, or where do these names come from? They're kind of Easter eggs for people that are metal fans, uh, okay. to be quite honest with you. Uh, like Withered Christ, for in- for instance. There's only two fake actual fake bands it's withered christ and graham incinerator in the movie mm-hmm. um withered christ is a riff on one of my favorite bands called rotting christ okay. uh, that's not too far off and then uh graham incinerator is a riff on a, a, a grindcore uh 
like deathcore band called uh, Infinite Annihilator. So not, you know, not, not not just kind of a riff and kind of a wink at people that that listen to, you know, extreme music. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, obviously both funny. Uh, Mutilated by Zombies is an actual band, believe it or not. Okay, uh, nice. So is, so is Telekinetic Yeti. I mean, like you know, you <laughs> think that band. it was it was all bullshit, right? <laughs> right. You know, but no, I mean that's. <laughs> There's just been so many metal bands, people are running out of ideas. You know? <laughs> they just got to come up with whatever. No, I mean, uh, Mutilated by Zombies, I've known those guys for a really long time. Um, Josh, the, the lead guitarist and vocalist, he's he's such a cool dude. Um, and those guys are great. They they do, a, you know, a tech, technical death metal, and um, they've released a couple records that you can you can find. And I've done a, a music video for, for uh, their latest album like three three years ago. And that turned out great. And Telekinetic Yeti, uh, Alex Bauman, he's he's the lead guy in that. Uh, they've been getting a lot a lot more attention since since making making the film. Uh, they've been going on tour with like I want to say like Higher and Fire and Sleep. You know when when they could do tour, touring. Uh, and then uh, the the band that actually so the guys that portray Graham Incinerator, the uh, older guys, those are just. Those are basically like friends. One of the one of the guys is actually an executive producer on the film. Neil Cap, nice. uh, he's just this quiet dude that loves uh, making movies in Iowa, you know. <laughs> um, but lives in California, but he's got a house out here now too. Yeah, Neil's something else, man. He he was like, you know, in the movie executive producer. He was like a like super PA slash grip in. Uh, throughout the movie he was he was great but uh the actual music for grandma incinerator was actually done by this bigger band called legion mm-hmm. um they're they're on metal ba- uh, metal blade records and they're i mean as good as it comes when when you're you know if anyone listening is into into metal they, they do a brand of progressive death metal that is just like crazy technical and awesome and they're coming out with a new record soon um yeah they, they did a great job doing that i mean Anytime I've watched it, you know, I've seen the movie like a hundred thousand times, it feels like. I, I still watch through all the credits just because of that song. I love that song so much. Yeah. You know, and the lyrics are so, uh, you know, hysterical and funny. And uh, I don't know. I always thought that was a fun thing uh, watching movies growing up is, is if a movie could figure out a way to trick you into enjoying uh, the long list of, of of talented people that you know are required to make a movie like this. So I thought that that was a you know cool little thing that we kind of put you know on cherry on top. Yeah, no, it definitely was. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and I, and and so before we get into the um, kind of the back, you know, the last third act of this movie. You know, typically when we talk about movies, we're pretty loose with spoilers. We assume anybody who's listening to the podcast has already watched the movie. Um, but I don't know if you guys have any feelings. Of... Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if you guys have any feelings about talking about the the last bit of this movie, or if we want to tell everyone, like, stop the podcast now, go rent this movie, <laughs> like, go go stream this movie, yeah, and then yeah, come back. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely watch it if you haven't watched it yet. Like, go watch it. Come back to the podcast. Yeah, um, but I'm I'm down to talk about it. I don't know about Tim. I, yeah, I don't give a shit. And they can they <laughs> yeah. can they can go rent it. They can go torn it. I don't give a shit. Just go watch it. Go watch it. it. Yeah, go figure, it. Out, figure out a way. <laughs> you know, if they're if they're still listening, rip it on LimeWire. Yeah, please. Yeah. 
gazak. Yeah. Get it on gazak. If there's bear share, Napster. You know, they, they gotta be interested, right? So if it, you know, just yeah, watch that shit. And then if you've lasted this long in the podcast, you, you, you've seen it, or or you need to go see it. Right. <laughs> yeah. So like uh, right before, I I just like the uh, I like the the sex scene. There's some really funny. Like I like how it cuts to the the guys like uh, she's not coming, and then it cuts to her, and she's like she's like oh, I'm coming, <laughs> and then. Um, and then what they, uh, there's this line that's like barely audible, but it sounds like she's, she says like, uh, give me your hot little baby is what it sounded like to me. I was like, Jesus, is that what she just said? No, she says, give me your big hot load. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah. Like, Which I, is close. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. And there's, yeah. When they, there's all the blood spurting out. Yeah. That scene was pretty funny. I thought. That was like yeah, an extremely that... raunchy sex scene. I will say that. Yeah. I was like, whoa. There's the one uh, scene where it's like she's just like riding him, and I'm like, yikes! <laughs> Here we are. Can I tell? Can I tell? I'm gonna tell a story from the world premiere, Please. if you don't mind, Charlie. If we yeah, got okay. time, it's a little yeah, tangent. Yeah. Uh, um, it was your cousin, right? That came down to the world premiere. Oh yeah, Ashley. There. Yeah, Ashley. My cousin Ashley. Yeah. Yeah. Canada. So his cousin Ashley came to the world premiere. She was like in the area, or I forget exactly how it worked, but she ended up being there. She was in the audience. She came to some bars after because we were celebrating, you know, world premiere. It was that Spooky Empire in 2019, October 2019, uh, which is like a big horror con. They do a festival component. Uh, anywho, we're all kind of at, at a bar. It's like I think it's like two, three a.m. and we're kind of like talking about the movie and. Uh, she chimed in. She's like, "You want to know what my favorite part is?" And we we're like, "What?" And she was like, "It was it was the sex scene and the, and the blood that came on, you know, on her back." Uh-huh. And she's like, "Because that's re- it. Really, be like that, you know? Like you really don't know what the hell's going on back there when you're in that position." <laughs> and actually, like, really, she told she told me that she told me that actually. Oh no! <laughs> and Char- Charlie's like, "No, I don't want to hear this." No, no, I don't care. My, yeah, we're, we're, I don't give a shit about that stuff. That's hilarious. <laughs> well, yeah, and then, and then so this third act, it's just, um, you know, seems like it's just kind of a gleeful, you know, the, the father Kilborn is just kind of attacking people, ripping, ripping babies out of pregnant women and throwing symbols into guys' chest. And <laughs> it just, I'm curious, did you have a, um, I assume you had a special effects team. Are they have they worked on other stuff before? Or how how did you accomplish some of these effects that you had, especially at the end here? Oh yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, we had an effects team. Uh, the guy I was talking about from the haunted house, Trent Johnson, and uh, uh, one like his right hand man for the haunted house, Brad. Uh, they they did the majority of the the effects, uh, save for a couple different things. So, you know, have they worked on other movies before? Not really. Mm-hmm. Uh, have they worked on practical effects in haunted house sets? Yes. I gotcha. So uh, they were very well versed in, you know, fake blood, you know, squirting out. Like Trent's got, for whatever reason, in the basement of his haunt, he's got like, because I think back like five years ago, there was like a re- five or six years ago, there was a really good deal on on fake blood. So he ended up buying like 50, like four gallon buckets of fake blood. So he's got all this fake blood because he's like, well, it's not, you know, it's not going to dry up like this. The, the stuff that this is made out of like it's going to stay good forever. So he had all that. So that's a good thing. Right. That's a good. 
you know, you got the job basically right. on, on our budget. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, you know, his instincts were really good. There was only just like, you know, a little bit of learning curve when it came to, uh, he's very, he was very good at, at, uh, both him and Brad are very good at doing effects when it came to physical sets, which is great because it, at, in a, you know, haunted house, they, it has to, uh, any effect has to pass the eye test from any angle. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, he just had to kind of learn like, okay, well, how do we place the camera? How do we use the camera to our benefit? And, yeah. you know, through, throughout the course of production, uh, which a lot of the gore and stuff were, was kind of like more towards the end of production. You know, we kind of ramped it up as they learned and as we kind of went. And yeah, I mean, they, they knocked it out of the park. The the the, the sequence. Uh, I wish I could have given two days for this, but the sequence at the at the smokestack uh, where you know everyone's getting killed while telekinetic Yeti's playing, and you know <laughs> the joke is the music's so loud they can't hear. You know, right. I gave a full 12 hour day to basically kill, you know, as many people as he wanted to, as creatively as he wanted to, like, just go haywire with it, you know, have fun with it. Um, and I wish we had the budget to do like two or three days. Cause like, you know, we killed a lot of people there, you know, as seen <laughs> in the big wide shop, right. but man, like think, think if we had two or three more days, like how fucking re- utterly ridiculous i mean it's already ridiculous right? yeah they get pretty insane yeah. <laughs> yeah, just like five fucking like john wicks just like you know just crazy but uh yeah no they they, they did a, a phenomenal job with especially with the budget they were given and and the resources they were given you couldn't have asked for a better you know special uh, team it's really funny because trent you know he put on like all of that like I kind of get reminded of I don't know if you've seen I think you should leave but like season two where he puts on uh, Carl Havoc puts on like all that shit and he's like I don't want to be here anymore well like that's like Trent like for like 10 days where he like puts <laughs> yeah. on Father Kilborn's outfit and then he has like the most Iowan accent I know of anyone I've ever met in my whole entire life like he is he is like the epitome of Iowa to me and yeah. so and so like while we were filming it he's doing all father kilborn's lines in this like iowa accent so like in this in my death scene where like get thrown down an elevator shaft he's like you know doing all these lines with me and he's like it, it, i can't even do an iowa accent but he's like and he will show no mark you know like whatever and i'm like naming you know, all the slayer like, albums such a funny thing like we were cracking up the whole time <laughs> filming it um and and poor guy dude he had like there was one tim wasn't there one time when like trent suffocated or he was like suffocating in a scene where he almost like passed out yeah i basically waterboarded him with fake blood uh in the sequence where he's like coughing up blood after he falls on the altar we're kind of skipping ahead a little bit but Uh sorry sorry yeah no no you're good i basically told him to like say say stop when it was too much, which doesn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense when you're pumping blood into someone's face. Right. Yeah. Um, but I was tired and it was a long fucking day and I just wanted to get the goddamn shot. And <laughs> I, Trent's a good, I was the best man in his wedding. Right. Okay. You know, if there's anybody that's going to, you know, waterboard him with blood, I, I was like, I, you know, I'll, I'll make sure you're, you're okay at the end of the day. Don't worry, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious well i'm glad he came glad he ended up okay yeah yeah oh yeah <laughs> glad he came out on the other side and i don't, I don't want to keep you guys too long i know we're up against the hour here but uh 
just really the, the other part, man, just Charlie, when your character comes back, just and the and the the Deus Ex Machina, right? The van, you you come in and uh, yeah. it's just so funny. And and your uh, the son, what's he say? He's like, uh, he's like, is this how we kill him? And you're like, yep, son, that's what we're doing now. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. That's interesting because that is actually um, so. That was that sound bite was actually on a different day. Mm. Um, Jimmy didn't know what was going on. And because I was just like driving a um, van onto a onto a curb, uh-huh. I don't know what we were picking up. Were we picking up sound there? We were shooting the interior. We had to shoot the interior with Jimmy before. Oh, that's Jimmy right. That's leaving. right. Before he left, because he had three days on set. So like on the third day, we're like filming the interior of the scene. So like every like literally everything you see is like different times of. Like, it's so crazy how Tim was able to make this happen. But, yeah, so we're filming the interior with Jimmy to, like, say his lines. And I'm just driving up and up and down a curve, curb. So I'm just, like, going up and down. He's just like, what are we doing? You know, like, oh, that's – the other thing is Jimmy got huge stage fright when we said action. So, like – Everything we did, it was so weird manipulating a little five-year-old to like do the right to like say the right thing. Uh, oh but yeah, like, I've, I've, yeah, I've done done we, that with three kids now. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So like we were just like, hey, we're just practicing right now. We're not gonna do, we're not gonna do much. Like on the first day, it was really really rough. And so we kind of Tim and I were like talking, and, and a couple other people, and we we're just like, "Hey, what do we do here?" And I was like, "Let's act like we're just practicing, and then we'll do one take, and we'll already have it shot, mm-hmm. and we'll do a tail slate, and and that one shot will be like, oh man, you're a one take champ, Jimmy! <laughs> like, good job, dude! You just did it on one take. You're insane, you know? Like, uh, so we we were doing that, and so like." between the takes of me doing it he's like what are we doing right now and i literally am just like talking to him regularly like oh we're running him over right now so we're gonna keep running him over back and forth until the cop or whatever like i <laughs> i don't know what i was saying but whatever it was i was legitimately out of character i was legitimately right. not right right there i was like <laughs> my nephew's uncle like letting him know what was going on in the scene right. and that was i i was surprised when that that made the cut but like obviously i feel like it it, it, it fits so well oh oh yeah that's that's i think it's one of the funniest lines in the movie like it, it, yeah yeah <laughs> It's a little Mike Zach magic right there. I remember after yeah, the, Mike the, the 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 uh, private screening, the first screening, Charlie, you were like, I wasn't supposed to be in there. I don't know if we should keep that in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Along that line. Yeah, and I was yeah. Like, Take it up with Mike because that was my instinct too. But he's he's going to bat for it, and I'm glad it did. You know. And, yeah, yeah. No, ultimately, <laughs> I was. I mean, that first cut. I mean, I did do like a full page of notes. I felt bad doing it. And Lara's like, you, nah. you have no right to do this. And I was like, but I just, I'm gonna, because I'm an insane person. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, yeah. So I like sent Tim notes. I felt, I obviously like had no right to do to do that. But I'm glad Tim took it with a, a good chin and um, right. at least at least read them, uh, whether or not he addressed them or not. You know, right. but that, like when I watched it in Iowa, I was like, I was just like. 
holy shit, this is awesome. Like, I was so pumped. I was so pumped about the film. It was so great. Yeah. Well, I really, uh, yeah, sincerely enjoyed it. I re- it's such a fun movie. Well, do you guys, uh, do you have thoughts on head cannons, or, or I can go first? Well, I'll just say this. I want to say this first. Yeah. My favorite scene in the film is when um, Grandma Incinerator, he pulls out his cig- this dude pulls out his cigarette, and he goes, this isn't our first rodeo, honey. <laughs> and, like, just that, even, because I was there behind the camera when that was being shot, and I was just like, what a beautiful beautiful <laughs> shot like it's just so gorgeous like the shot itself is so beautiful him he pulls out the cigarette he goes this isn't our first rodeo or i don't i forget even what the fuck he says but i when i saw Doesn't it matter. I like, that's gonna this, be my this is this is this isn't our first bar fight little lady that's okay, it yeah. that's it that isn't our first this isn't our first first bar fight little lady and he pulls out he just blows a cloud of smoke and i'm just like even seeing it shot i'm just like I knew that was going to be the take. I knew that was going to be in the film. And I was like, that's going to be, that is such a sick line. <laughs> I was so happy for that. And that dude was like, kind of so chill. It was yeah. so nice. Like seeing it, like, oh, it just looked, oh, it looked good. All right. That's it. Headcanon, let's go. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll go ahead with my headcanon and then you guys can kind of give you guys a minute to prepare and think about yours. But, uh, I kind of had a couple, you know, I thought of one and I thought of another one. Uh, my first one is that, you know, Kilborn pulls the fetus out of the pregnant woman, which to me seems out of character for, for this like uber religious fire and brimstone uh, preacher. So I have to imagine that afterwards, after the movie's over and he, he comes back, the, you know, the, he wakes up in the, in the EMT, the ambulance or whatever, there's maybe a sitcom about Father Kilborn raising the fetus, you know, kind of like three men and a little baby style, but it's this mutated monster and this uh, fetus. And then my other thought was kind of along the lines of a sequel where, um, you know, Father Kilborn would, I don't know, maybe crash the DNC or go somewhere where he thought all these sinners were and just like start slaughtering people. And then the Republican Party really embraces him. They're like, oh, yeah, that's what we want. But then, so so they like so they raise him up through the political ranks, and uh, but then they can't. They, <laughs> a montage of like his political career over the course of six years, you know. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> and, and they they yeah, and they they think they can control him, but no, they can't. They and and he just gets no. away from them, and and he turns on them for their vices, you know. So. Those that was my headcanon for what happens after the movie ends, you know. I'll go next. Like uh, yeah. Brent, you said you want to you want to jump in, Brent? Oh yeah, yeah. Mine's about Ryan Rammer. Okay. <laughs> Ryan Rammer at some point in the movie, he steals Father Brennan's cross, and he, he, he like wears it as a belt buckle instead. You know, he, he's like scrawled like in like the. The uh, horizontal part of the cross, you know, like um, this ain't my first rodeo. <laughs> he tells people, he tells uh, a bunch of people at bars that he was once in a mass murder event, but people don't believe him because it's months before the story comes out. <laughs> <laughs> so just kind of like in real life, he tries to tell people, "Yo, I did this thing," and everybody's like, "No, fuck you." <laughs> yeah, I did. Oh it. yeah. I'll I'll let I'll save the best for last with Charlie and then I'll I'll chime in because it's uh so I'll just say so my headcanon is like the idea that I had for 
a sequel, which I don't think there's going to be. And if there was, I'd probably do something uh, we'll different. See. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah, getting a lot of, you know, bloody disgusting did the review today. I don't know. Um, nice. So after, you know, it's all said and done, you know, credits roll and the ambulance and all that good stuff. Uh, fast forward five years later. Uh, Ryan Rammer, who seems to be, you know, we seem to be focusing on him as a, as a central character because, you know, Zane and, Zane and Marais, their stories have kind of wrapped up. Ryan Rammer seems, you know, like maybe there's a little something uh, left here. He's signing books uh, for his book, Holy Saturday, uh, The Holy Saturday Metal Massacre Massacre. Um, and a, he's got subsequent albums that are that are basically telling the story of the book. It's like a companion album to the book, right? Mm-hmm. He made a whole like concept album. Uh, Danny is not interested in metal whatsoever, but his dad has drug him to the mall to help him, uh, you know, basically, yeah, basically ward off droves of, of fans that he's expecting. And, uh, it's also black Friday, by the way, he's getting, he's, he's gearing up for the crowd. On black Friday. Um, so him and him and Danny are button heads because Danny has no interest in, in metal. He has no interest in music. Meanwhile, the last five years, father Kilborn. Uh, who escaped the clutches of the ambulance metalheads and and went off, has found kind of like you were saying, Corey, has found a a group of individuals that have embraced him, Mm -hmm. uh, his apostles, and uh, people that are just as crazy and, uh, you know, in in the fanatical religion as he is. And he has baptized... Uh, during the course of this this new movie, he is baptizing these 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 people individually, and they are getting mutated with their own look and powers. So wait, so is he, so is he he's like bab- he's baptizing them in the toxic waste? In, yeah, at nice. the toxic Whoa. waste site. Nice. Yeah. Oh yeah. So you know, cool. you can, and you could imagine that like each one has their own like you know yes. religious item that maybe like maybe someone's using uh, you know the incense things as like nunchucks and stuff and like you know <laughs> right. all these different. You know, religious some, iconography. Yeah, things somebody's just got a fish and some that, bread. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like a yeah. Stuff out a candle with. Yeah, like so many that old motherfucker from the Seven Hundred Club, or like the uh, like at whatever, the Eight Hundred Club, or whatever we do. And... Wait, so Charlie, are you saying somebody just has Pat Robinson as a weapon, like over his shoulder? <laughs> just no, like... Pat Robinson has mutated. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sure. Well, like, like uh, I don't know if he's dead or not, or whatever. I don't know how yeah. long he's going like, to live. But, uh, like, what's that, like, the weapon in, in, um, in Kill Bill that, that like, that chick has, the, like, the ball with the spikes, but instead yeah, of the ball, yeah, like the like, mace on the chain. Robinson dentures, yeah. like, around it. Some Palo Santo inside of it. <laughs> Hell yeah. So, so beyond, beyond the setup where uh, Kilborn is taking his fleet of apostles to this mall to wage war on Black Friday on the sinners that are going there to to shop, and then also his arch nemesis Ryan Rammer, who is there to sign copies of the the book and concept album that nobody Just wants. Just so happen to be there. Yeah, Just that so nobody wants. Uh, uh, that's basically where the story converges. So you know, you you expect you know the the first act like the first film was is kind of the same thing you know, setting up the dominoes and knocking them down in X two and three. So I don't know how, I don't know how it finishes up. Is that, is that, you know, Ryan Rammer's got some, some good way to dispatch him at the end, but I don't know what that is. (laughs) Would kind of be inspired by like Dawn of the Dead kind of taking place in the mall and just like tearing through droves of, I I always thought it'd be, 
yeah. I always thought it'd be funny that, you know, we don't really know when Death to Metal takes place, but, like, mm-hmm. if if Kilborn and his apostles showed up to the mall to, like, kill all these people on Black Friday, and there's, like, nobody there because no one goes to malls anymore, <laughs> you know, it's just, like, dead. It's, like, a dead mall. Like, all the stores have closed, so they're, like, just, like, looking for anybody to, like, kill because just enough times pass where it's just, like, no, right. one, no one goes to malls, like, and that's kind of the joke, you know? That's You're funny. expecting this huge bloodbath and obviously because of budget constraints or whatever the fuck you know it's just like now there's like fucking 15 people in this mall right there's yeah there's just like i would love us to get a real big budget and really do a lot of kills (laughs) i just i like the idea that he goes they go to this mall and there's like one old guy doing laps past all these all these closed stores, and it's just like one guy getting. Or like, if you're in California, there's like old Korean women who like just jog through the mall yeah. all the yeah. time, constantly, constantly. And they're spry as fuck too. Yeah. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, Charlie, what's what's your head cannon? And then and then I want to yeah yeah. So I guess so. Like, I always had this like fan fiction idea that like before I was thrown down an elevator shaft. Um, uh, uh, Father Kilborn spit into my mouth and that I somehow am also like I have like a little bit of a superpower like I'm sort of this like Tommy Jarvis of like the fa- Friday the 13th like okay. <laughs> is to this movie but I'm like a little more mutated I have like this weird mutation because obviously I get like this extreme fan in my back and then there's this like scene that I actually wanted really bad to shoot and I think the cinematographer also wanted to where at the end of the movie after the credits roll I come home and I set I take my wig off (laughs) and I'm bald like I'm just like this bald man and I'm like losing hair uh, because there's like throughout the movie like the wig looks great and um it looks really good, but like no one's <laughs> buying it. No one's buying it. No one's buying that it was my real uh, hair. Uh, so it'd be like this hilarious, like me setting down. Like the the sequel starts with me like coming home and like setting down this like huge my my wig, and I'm like balding, and then like people think that I'm at fault for this accident because it was my show and like things like that. And like they, they, they don't see father Kilborn, So they don't think that that existed because why would they? <laughs> and then it, it falls into like Tim's idea. That's like, I'm writing this book to try to like save myself and, 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 and like explain my story and that this actually happened. No one believes me. And then this like gang of, religious extreme figures come and just like cause extreme havoc and then i'm like slightly mutated and (laughs) can like fight him off and there's like just some extreme to me it's like these extreme things that would just be so funny to me i mean you could really go with the movie the way the movie was set up you could really go anywhere with the second you film raise raise father brennan from the dead or something yeah oh absolutely (laughs) insane things that are just like if you had the right amount of money it could just be like such a funny because here's the thing about the first movie is like we do it it is kind of like hellraiser where it's like we spend the first act kind of setting up what hellraiser is Mm -hmm. but then you get into like the second 
film of Hellraiser and Hellraiser 3 or whatever, but you, you kind of get the idea. It's like Pandora's box has been opened or whatever. So it's yeah. like one of those things where it's like, we know what's, we know, we know it now. We don't, there's no backstory anymore. It's just like murder. It's just like gore murder and like ridiculous lines. And like, it's so funny because I, uh, one of the things I'll, I'll mention because I really love this guy a whole lot is I went to a coffee shop while I was like in Dubuque and I saw a picture of Robert Zadar, um, a signed copy and he's from Dubuque and I love him and like time cop and like all the like samurai cop or mm-hmm. he's in Man- samurai maniac cop. Cop. Yeah, maniac cop. cop maniac cop maniac and he's like he's like one of those like dudes that i'm just like it, it's so interesting that oh, Robert I'm sorry. Is, is he, like, he's the guy with like the squarish face the like, chin. Yeah, yeah 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 okay he's, he looks he's like now he looks like Jay Leno ate like another Jay Leno. Yeah, yeah, it's like two Jay Lenos have morphed in together <laughs> and stuffed them um, all in the cheeks. And he's from Dubuque, Iowa, and so it's like really cool to like nice. film this movie that was like. To me, I was like in this coffee shop, my brain was just like melting. I'm like, I'm in this weird like vortex of like, because I knew we knew what we were making. We knew <laughs> like Tim, Tim myself the crew we knew what we were making we were making this like bizarre campy beautiful like <laughs> everything about it is beautiful and i i wrote a re- review on it like a fake review on it on amazon where i'm just like it's literally starts with like these like iowan locals who like fill in on the spots and like it makes it such an interesting film to see these Iowa locals who have fairly no experience acting doing like these really funny roles. Tim is I like the like... Peter Jackson of Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 There's like a couple of dudes. I, yeah, there's, I'll take it. I forget, I forget that one of the dudes in the band is like making fun of the shirt. He's like such a good natural actor that I like, I, I kind of want to see more of him. You know, like there's like other, there's people like in it that I'm like, as an like just a random ass dude, dude, you came and you killed it. I absolutely, <laughs> there's things about that that I absolutely love. So, I mean, I'm I'm so happy with the film. I'm so happy to shamelessly um, promote it. I don't care. Yeah. Like no, it's whatever. So, if you it's hate so me good. because if you mute me, if you mute me on Instagram because of me trying to push out my my film that I was able to be in uh okay fine (laughs) Fine. i'll leave you alone forever but like (laughs) legitimately we did something that isn't done it's not done anymore like it's never done so it's like it's cool yeah no it's a blast it was a lot of fun I, i really enjoyed it i would definitely recommend it to anybody um you know and this is this is typically the part in the podcast where we kind of ask you guys what you have to plug what you want to you know, point people toward your social media. I think fairly obviously we want to point everyone toward Death to Metal uh, on whatever streaming service they prefer. But is there is there anything else you guys want to mention before we before we wrap up here? More to come. More to come. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm Tim, cooking. Tim's I'm got cooking some on Iowa. Yeah. yeah, working on the next feature. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's there's already footage in the can too. Oh so wow. We, we shot a week worth of stuff in September. I'm not going to talk about the story or anything else beyond that, but uh, yeah, it's it's we're, uh, we're working on stuff out here, and uh, uh, if it's you want to find, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
it's, it's good. A fun I read one. the script. It's good. <laughs> Char- uh, Charlie, are you in it at all? Charlie, are you taking part? Can you tell us that? <laughs> we don't know. I'm not going to answer that. I'm not going to answer that. I'm not going to answer that yet. All right. All right. All right. Just going to um, have to wait and see. The title is Charlie's Penis, though. <laughs> yeah, it's my micro penis. It's, it's, it's kind of like Charlie's Angels, but not at all. Totally different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Completely different this time. It only goes on Bibles. For next week, we're going to be covering the Bruce Willis classic, Die Hard. It's going to be our first of two Christmas episodes. Now, I know what you're thinking. Hey, headcanon, Die Hard isn't a horror movie. Well, we're going to be examining first if it's a Christmas movie, because there's a lot of debate around that. And then I also read an interesting article where the author was making the argument that Die Hard was a slasher film, or kind of a reverse slasher film, where the protagonist, Bruce Willis, plays the role of the slasher, and the terrorists all take on the role of the slashed victims in the movie so i'm not going to say whether whether we find it to be a christmas movie or whether we find it to be a slasher movie but give it a watch look at it through those lenses and you can see what conclusion we came to on next week's episode as always you can follow us on social media on facebook at danger explosion presents head cannon on instagram at head cannon pod on twitter at horror movie pod or the subreddit r slash horror movie pod. Well, thank you guys so much, Charlie. It's a blast to have you. As always, you're so you're so, one of my favorite people. And Tim, it was nice to meet you. you. It's been a pleasure for sure. So, yeah, thank thank you guys for having me. I, I uh, you know I love talking shop, so uh, appreciate appreciate uh, the the good questions. And uh, you know, Charlie, oh, we we should do it. We were uh, we were talking earlier today. Me and Charlie should. Uh, link up in a month after all, all the reviews have come out and just do like a, like a little fun thing where we're like recording a zoom call and we're just reviewing, reviewing all the terrible reviews because <laughs> <laughs> they're never really going to be some. I mean, right. we got like know, a shitty not... review. We got a shitty review on letterbox today from a, um, from a, also a pastor. He's also <laughs> oh, no. a pastor. So, Oh no. Right. Oh, we're going to get destroyed. <laughs> That's hilarious. Did he or she see the movie? Did the person see the movie? I assume he saw it, and he well, he wasn't wrong with a lot of the things, but um, it makes it what's it's it's so funny. Like the things he shit on was what makes the film good. I feel like yeah, it's it's, it's, he's like cheap. I'm like yeah, low budget indie. Yeah, yeah. you're right. It was cheap. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll read it. I, I got Can we read it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just basically words, right? Okay. And it's it's just like eight words. Okay. The, the review goes, and Charlie texted this to me earlier. It's oh, and I'm gonna wait, wait. I'm gonna read, and after that, I'm gonna read his Twitter um, bio, so you guys know. <laughs> okay. it's please, it's, please. It's, it's amateurish, cheap, cringy, crude, dumb, short, slight, unfunny unscary and then you know i mean he, he didn't yeah. say he was he was bored so <laughs> <laughs> score right right yeah i mean yeah, yeah. rude and dumb i'm like yeah fuck yeah it is That's- you know <laughs> and it just like tells everybody that like they should have their girlfriend like like over to watch it so they can like here i go cinephile this is his this is his uh twitter bio cinephile Empty nester, geek, 
Gen Xer, human, husband, independent, introvert, learner, pastor, <laughs> Presbyterian, in parentheses, PCUSA, reader, theologian, walker, West Coaster. Sick. Thanks, man. Thanks I hope that all of his reviews are like, like, or anything he does is just like word. Word. Right. Yeah. Word. Yeah. Word. I, I that's what his sermon is too, right? Yeah. yeah. God. I Jesus. Hope the I, lamb. I hope. Blood. Yeah. I hope his that's blood. how he speaks. Delicious. That's the only way. Tasty. <laughs> it's weird. Oh, right. Christ. He's, mass. Well, and then and then Huge he's, mass. he's <laughs> and then he's love his dick. Love Christ's dick. <laughs> and then he's he's in bed with his wife, and he's like sensual. What? Sexy, yeah. aroused. <laughs> and then he puts that on like Yelp. For his wife. He reviews his wife on Yelp. <laughs> Whoa! Oh, hey, the baby. Early. Hey, nice. He's going to sleep, so I gotta go. All right. Good well, yeah. Good night, you guys. Good night, baby. And uh, everyone, thank you for listening. You go check bye. out Death to Metal. This bye. has been Head Cannon. Yeah! Oh,